church, you may be seated. My name is Luke, one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel. If you are fully dependent on the Lord this morning, would you give him something like an amen or a clap or something? I need the Lord. I really, I don't know about you, but I need the Lord. I'm glad you're here this morning, church. I wasn't with you last week, and I miss you. I miss being here with you. I really miss the gathering when I'm not with the gathering because I love you. I love you. And I hope this morning that you love the church. Do you love the church this morning, church? That wasn't convincing. Do you, do you love the church? Amen. Do you love the people of God? We're going we're gonna to talk about that. This morning is week one of a new sermon series called My Church and I. For the next six weeks, we're going to be lifting up the church. We're going to be looking at the Word of God. What is the church? What is my responsibility within the body? What am I supposed to be doing as a church member? For those that are interested in church membership, they go through the membership class. They're given this book called I Am a Church Member. This is our gift to those that are leaning into church membership. And over the next six weeks, we're going to take the six chapters out of this book. We're going to put it into preaching format so that we can all be taught what it is to be a member, what it is to be plugged in to the faith family. So for the next six weeks, these are going to be our topics. The week one today is called, I have something to do. That's week one. I have something to do. The second week is I will help bring it together. It's all about unity. What can we do to help promote unity within God's church? The third week is titled, It's Not About Me. Kind of leave our preferences aside week. The fourth week, I will lift up my leaders, my church leaders. I will lift them up. The fifth week, as for me and my house, that, that week, we're, we're going to elevate the home. We're going to elevate men and the responsibility within the home to point our families towards service of God's church. What does that mean? What does that look like in my family? And then the final week is that church is a gift to be treasured. Do you believe that church is a gift to be treasured, church? The church is precious. The relationship that we have with God's church, the body, is so very important. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by the church? A few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. What is Easter? Easter is the Sunday that we celebrate that our Savior lives, that he rules and reigns. On that particular Sunday, we lift high Jesus and the sacrifice that he made, that he died on the cross for our sins, and, and that, he, that he didn't stay dead, right? Three days later, he rose from the grave. We celebrate the salvation that we have in Jesus because he's alive, right? And, and the reason that's so important is for those that place their faith in that story, we call that the gospel, those that need saving, place their faith in Jesus and are redeemed, they're, they're called, they're saved. All of those in whom believe are called the church, do you believe that? That's, that's the big C, right? The, the church, those that have been set apart and called, the church. And then I'm going to take you through a real crash course of church history. What we see is that Jesus gives himself up on 
the cross, those start to believe in the Gospels. If you look in the book of Acts, we see the Gospel explode. Thousands of people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And as the Gospel continues to spread, it goes from town to town. That's when we see the story of Paul come along and he, he put pastors and leaders and elders over these churches that are found in all of these towns. And, and we see the gathering of the saints, those that place their faith in Jesus. They, they gather and they're called the church. Fast forward as the gospel spreads, it jumps on boats, it goes around the globe, it's unstoppable, amen? It goes, it covers the globe, people are changed and saved. And 75 years ago, a group of people started this gathering called Holland Chapel, amen? Are you thankful for it? That was a crash course, that was a lot of years crammed into like, what, three minutes? Are you with me? We're the church. Those that place their faith in Jesus that are set apart are the church. In this morning, the church is very important. Do you believe that? The church is so important. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at 6 through 11. And we're going to look and see what God has done, the plan that He set into motion for the church for you and I. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 6. It says, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body. And both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading the good news. Though I am the least deserving of all of God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this, y'all with me? Underline this, was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, Christ dying for the church was God's plan for the very beginning. So for those that claim faith in Jesus now become saints called set apart the church. The church is very, very important. We are a part of God's plan. That's heavy responsibility, but it's one that excites me that I have been called and set apart to take part in God's plan as the church. So week one of my church and I, it's going to be on the screen, I have something to do. Because God's church is so important. It is the very bride of Jesus. It's that wedding terminology that you and I are the bride of Christ. And because He loves us so much, 
He wants what's very best for us. Like any good husband that loves their wife, wants to do everything humanly possible to make sure she succeeds. Jesus is no different concerning you and I because he loves us so much. He wants us to step into the fullness of life in Christ. He wants us to place the church God on display. He wants what's best for you and I. Therefore, we have something to do. We should serve. Why? Verse 10, to put God on display. I want to share a story with you. A couple of years ago, moved to Texas, started pastoring a church there. My first week or two that I was there, the pastor who had been there for around 32, 33 years, as long as I had been alive, they kept him around in a part-time capacity, basically just to make sure that I didn't burn the place down, you know what I mean? He, he said, hey, uh, uh, let's get in the truck. I want to take you, and I want you to meet somebody. I said, all right, let's go. So we jump in the truck. We drive over to this gentleman's house. His name's Bob. We show up at Bob's house. Bob had this special little man room built onto the back of his house where he was. He was in a recliner. We went around, had his own entrance. It was awesome. I walk in there, and I meet Bob, and I start to get Bob's story. Bob had a brain tumor. The reason this pastor wanted me to go meet Bob is because Bob physically was unable to come to church. So I sat in this man room, getting to know Bob, hearing Bob's story. And as Bob starts to share his story, he starts to weep. I learned that Bob lived a worldly life and came to faith in Jesus much later in life. And as he's weeping and sharing his story, he said, I wish I would have come to Christ much, much sooner so that I could serve him longer. Man. I said, Bob, what do you, what do, you do at church? How, how do you serve? Listen to this. Through the man's tears, he said this, I hold the door open for people. Did you hear that? And he's weeping. And I learned something from Bob. I learned that Bob had something to do, and he loved to serve. And then I learned something else, that Bob loved God's church. Big question for you and I this morning. If we were in our living room, unable to come to church and to serve and be around God's people, would we be weeping? Those two principles, that he had something to do and that he loved God's church, are found in the Word of God. And those are going to be our two points this morning. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to hang out there because then we're going to jump to chapter 13. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Remember that we have something to do. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's really no way for me to take the reading that we're about to read and, and break it down and make it shorter. So we're in, uh, we're in the gathering of the saints where we love the Word of God. So if you'll bear with me, we're going to read a little bit of the Word of God. Is that okay? You get to sit there and listen. I, I got to read. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to pick up in verse 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Thank you, church. I want you to to listen to this. Everyone is uniquely different. Amen? Everyone is gifted uniquely different. But we all, listen to me, we all have a place within the body of Christ. Paul goes through great lengths here to teach us this analogy to show the people of God that each and every one of us has a place to serve, a place to fit in, a place to to share our gifts within the body of Christ. We all have a place to serve. We all have something to do. Towards the beginning of the chapter is the spiritual gifts part. We didn't read that. But what I want Every child of God, everyone that's placed their faith in Jesus and received salvation to understand this morning, I want you to get this, that when you accept Jesus and you become indwelled with the Holy Spirit, He saves you, He redeems you, He calls you, He imparts to you a spiritual gift. Do you believe that? I need you to hear hear that. Do you believe that, church? He gives you a spiritual gift to be used to put Him on display. He gives each and every person a gift to use. 
But here's the deal. You, you may think, well, Luke, I don't, I don't feel like I've got a gift. In fact, maybe I feel like a foot. You ever, you ever walked into church and said, I feel like a foot? Anybody? Ever feel like a foot? You feel like a foot this morning? You feel like a foot because, man, you're looking around and all you see is the hands. You're jealous of the hands because they got thumbs. Anybody? The hands are cool, right? They can hold stuff. And you come in here and you say, I feel like a foot. I feel like a foot because, man, I'm not the one that the pastor talks about. I'm not the one that makes the Facebook post. Nobody sees what I do. I just feel like a foot. And because you feel like a foot, you feel like you're not important. Because you feel like a foot, you feel like you don't fit in. Listen to me. The hand cannot get where it needs to go without the foot. You believe that? And if you think the foot does not matter, chop it off and tell me that the foot don't matter. You know what I mean? Every part matters. Every gift matters. God desires to use each and every one of us. Or maybe this is the category. I walk in here this morning, I don't even feel like a foot. I don't feel like anything. I don't, I don't feel like I'm gifted at all. And we just go to church. We, we step in here. We receive a word. We sing a song. And we feel like, I, why am I here? Everything seems to function just fine without me. You ever thought that? Maybe that's you this morning. And, and you don't feel like you're gifted. You don't feel like you're a part of the body. Listen to me. Because you've never tried. You've never tried. You've never really said yes to anything. You've never prayed, God, help me to, to know my giftedness. Help me to see where you've set me apart. God, help me to find my place. It may take a few times striking out. It, it may be awkward from time to time. But help me, Lord, to find my place. Instead, we show up, we go through the motions, and we never even try. Paul says we're all part of the body. We each have been uniquely gifted to serve the body of Christ, to put Christ on display. You don't have an option. Brings us to our first point. Every saint has a job to do. Why do I call you saints? At the very beginning of 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses the people, the church, as holy, set apart, and saints, called. We've all been called, if you've said yes to Jesus, to do something for him. You have something to do. Verse 27 and 28, he says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. I should encourage you this morning. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. Then he goes on to these, and he, he makes a small list. You're a part of the body. You, you have a job to do. But here's where we've landed when, when we think about church membership in Western culture. I'm going to draw the comparison between like a country club membership and church membership. What we've done in our Western culture is we've, we've taken this country club mentality, that membership, and we've overlaid it with church membership. And here's what that may look like. In a country club, we, we, we pay dues, don't we? we? We sign up, we pay those dues, so when I go to the country club, my money makes that country club look nice. 
And when I show up to the country club, everybody's in their place to serve me. And when I pay those dues, when I'm a part of that country club, I expect things to be done, the grass to be mowed, the best, served to, the best food to be served, and everything to be just right. And if things aren't just right, I complain to the manager slash Nick, right? It's a joke. <laughs> but, but you see, our Western mentality of membership has really confused us when it comes to church membership. Country club membership is not, listen to me, is not church membership. Saying yes to Jesus and being a part of the body of Christ is not about what privileges we can receive. Being a part of the body of Christ means we all have responsibility. Amen? It's a tough truth, church. You with me? I feel alone. You with me? We're abusing God's church. We think that this place, these people are here for me. We're all here for the Lord to put Him on display, to use each of our giftedness to serve, whether it be on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or Monday afternoon at work, whatever it is, God has gifted each of us to serve. And that can look many different ways. I wish I would have brought this up in first service. At the beginning of the first service, before it started, out here in the lobby, a precious saint, much older in life, very weak and frail, but a warrior for Jesus. She walks in here and she looks me dead in the eye. She says, I've prayed for you this morning. I pray that God would use you. Her season of life to use her body to serve is over. But she's still serving through prayer. Amen? God wants to use you to put Jesus on display. You have something to do. Be a Bob. The very end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 31. It says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Why? Because we want the kingdom to go further faster. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. What are you talking about? Paul Paul just spends a whole chapter talking about spiritual gifts. Paul just spends a whole chapter talking about how each of us uh, should use our gifts to serve the body, to put God on display. And then he says, there's a way of life better than that? What is, he, what is he talking about? What, what's Paul re- referring to? Listen, serving the church to help it display God is so very important. But you can serve all you want. You can exercise all the spiritual gifts that you want. You can give every penny that you have in your bank account all you want. But if all those things are not done in love, it doesn't matter. It does not matter at all. We have something to do. I want you to write this down. Second point for this morning. Every saint must love one another. Every saint 
must love one another. Absolutely, you have a job to do. But whatever that job is, whatever God has asked you to do, it must be grounded in love. The church, the very people of God, is rooted and founded in love, in the love of Christ. So everything that we do is an overflow of that love. And we've been called to love one another. Go to chapter 13. We're going to read a little bit here. I'm going to read 1 through 8. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love, what church? Will last forever. Some of you in here are kind of scratching your head. You're like, I didn't know that was the Word of God. I thought that was a poem read at weddings. Anybody? You don't want to admit that in church. But here's the deal. This read in context has nothing to do with a wedding. Chapter 13, read in context, has nothing to do with what Luke and Ashley did on the stage when they were married. Now, does it have wonderful practical application? Absolutely. But in context, Paul is speaking to the church. Chapter 13, the love chapter, was written for the church. It's not there to help me love Ashley better. I'll make this real weird. It's there to help me love Matt McGinney better. That's a little awkward, ain't it? This was written for the church, for you and I to love one another. Did you hear what Paul said? If I could do all of these things, if I could exercise all of these gifts, I had all these great abilities, but I didn't love, it's useless. So we can go through the motions, church. We can show up here, we can serve, we can do things throughout the week for, for, for other people in service to the kingdom, and hopefully bringing people to the gospel. But if love is not at the root of what we do, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And listen, church, this may be, it's difficult for me, may be difficult for you. We don't get to choose who we love in here and who we don't. Did you get that? We don't get to choose. I got to pick my wife. 
He's pretty awesome. I don't get to pick you. I have to love you. And you have to love me. That can be tough. But that's the challenge. That's the joy of claiming Jesus. We get to love one another, the church. Oh, big question, just like Bob. Do you, do you love the church? Do you love God's people? If you couldn't be here, would you be weeping in your living room? But because you couldn't be around the family of God, God's people. I'm going to say this phrase. Hear me out. If you really love God's people, you'll want to serve. That's a tough one. If you love God's people, you'll want to serve. We have a job to do. We've been asked to do the job and we've been asked to love one another. We're a people of God that I believe wants revival to break out. We're, we're a people of God that wants the gospel to spread. We're a group of people that wants to see God do incredible things here amongst us at Holland Chapel, but around the globe. If we want that to take place, just read verse 4. Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. Church, if we just did that, revival would break out. Amen? If we just loved one another unconditionally as the family of God, oh, what would he do? We've been called to love each other. In a world, even at times in churches filled with selfishness and bitterness and anger, let's be a group of people that love unconditionally. Amen? Be a Bob. Hold the door. Smile. And love each other. There's going to be a question on the screen this morning. This is how I want to, to close out our time together with this thought. It says, ask yourself and God, how can I best, the key word there is best, serve and love my church? Write that down. How can I best serve and love my church? A child of God should never ask this question. Should I be serving and should I be loving? Serving and loving ought to be a given. Amen? We have a job to do. If you're in the family of God, you have a job to do. Find a place to serve and love each other. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it gives our life. Thank you for the church. Thank you for this church. 
the precious saints of Holland Chapel. What a joy it is to be a part of it. I pray for us this morning as we've looked at your word and we've seen what you have for us that we would find our place, that we would eliminate excuses, that we would just try to get plugged in and to serve you, that we would abandon this country club mentality and say yes to biblical membership. Help us, God, to do just that. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. And may we serve him every day of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.